Welcome to 360 Real Time, a Steelcase podcast with behind-the-scenes conversations on the research impacting the places where people work, learn, and heal. I'm Katie Pace, and I'm joined today by MIT's Skylar Tibbetts. Skylar is the co-director and founder of MIT's Self-Assembly Lab and assistant professor of design research in the Department of Architecture. Skylar recently partnered with Steelcase to explore the future of 3D printing. Skylar, there's so much to talk about here. Let's just jump right in. So tell us, how did the collaboration with Steelcase start? The lab works with a lot of different companies in different industries, and obviously the furniture relates well to my background in architecture and office environments and furniture in terms of construction, materials, uh, design, all of those kind of converge. And Steelcase is, I think, really well suited to that type of research, given that they're a leader in the space and interested in what's next for materials, what's next for comfort, what's next for space organizations and human comfort and response to the environment and new manufacturing principles. And so the collaboration is really like a perfect synergy between our research and and really pushing the envelope of what's possible. And then Steelcase really is a leader in the office environment and furniture space. So as you started to explore 3D printing, what challenges were you trying to overcome? How does this new process you developed, this rapid liquid printing, how does that break previous limitations? So the three challenges for printing today is is speed. Most of printing tends to be slow compared to other industrial processes. The second one is scale. So printing tends to be fairly small scale, and furniture is a really ripe opportunity there because it's not the scale of a building, but it's also not the scale of a small toy. So we really need to rethink how large we can print. And then the third is material properties. Printing today tends to have low quality materials, either because of the materials that we're printing with or because of the layering. Um, Almost every printing process today uses uh, layers. So stratification, layer by layer, you print to build up. And in our case, we print inside of a, a gel suspension, so you're not really limited by what's available. Um, you can use any liquid material. And then we don't print with layers. We actually just draw in 3D space. So the material can have a homogeneous cross-section and be as strong or as flexible as you want. We can print any size, so really it's only limited by how big your machine or your tank of gel is. And so you can have you know many meter-scale structures, so full-scale furniture, for example, uh, and then we can go very fast because, again, we don't print by layers. We can literally move as fast as the machine can move, and it can cure within seconds the material, or you can have a slower cure if you want within minutes or hours, and you just literally move to print in 3D space. So you can print very, very fast, very large with real materials. Your team has been working with 3D printing for a long time now. How did this innovative process emerge from all that work? You know, we've been using 3D printing for years, um, both as a prototyping tool as well as a research platform. More recently, we were printing onto 3D objects. So instead of printing in flat layers, we would print onto some type of 3D object as it was moving. But you're always fighting gravity as you're printing. And so that then led to seeing other people in the field, specifically like material scientists or people doing bioprinting, had been printing into gels with very small needles. And that gel can suspend the part in 3D space. And then that led to the idea of what if we did really large tanks of gel and we could print large objects that would be suspended. Uh, And that then kind of led to this idea. And we brought a lot of things together. So the gel suspension is one of them. 
but the other is a two-part mixing system. So the two-part mixing system allows you to make chemically cured materials instead of uh, temperature cured or light cured. It's mixing, extruding, and, and curing while you're going. Uh, and then there's a kind of whole design process of printing tool paths uh, and connecting that to a machine where you're essentially like drawing in 3D space to print instead of layer by layers. When you search Skylar Tibbetts on YouTube, you end up watching the craziest videos. Materials configuring themselves, components that spontaneously assemble into objects. So how is this collaboration important to your experimentation and creativity? We collaborate with a lot of different people um, and a lot of different groups. Like Industry partners are really important for us because that brings insight and challenges and relevance and uh, domain expertise that we don't have and uh, brings it to a wider audience and really hopefully solving a a real-world need rather than staying in our fantasy land and experimenting in wild, weird things. It kind of brings tangible outcomes and deadlines and application. But then we also collaborate with a lot of other researchers or a lot of other designers. And I think each one of those brings different different things. You know, people have different backgrounds, different interests, different skill sets. Often we'll collaborate with people from different disciplines to get expertise in whether that's materials or biology or chemistry or um, engineering. And those enable things technologically as well. Um, So we're quite open and, and excited about collaborating in as many different industries, as many different disciplines and scales as possible. It sounds like you do a lot of prototyping and physical experimentation. How does your lab space support your work? Well, our physical space is a mix of a research lab space where we experiment and set up tests and uh, prototype and have our machines and printers and things like that, as well as our desk space where we can work on digital things or even physical things or photograph things or test stuff. We have a fabrication facility with lots of machines that we experiment with and build prototypes of and we have printers and can make custom electronics and big CNC machines and laser cutters and all sorts of things. And then we have uh, what I would call flex spaces. And one is an outdoor flex space that allows us to experiment like an outdoor lab where we can build big things, you know, cast things, get, make a mess, you know, really experiment outdoors, just unique. And then we have a more indoor space so that when we build big projects, we can experiment in that space and build up prototypes that are much larger than like a desktop, for example, or a benchtop larger than you might do in the research lab. You can do it in a large, flexible space. This new 3D printing process you developed ended up creating an experimental tabletop for Turnstone's baseline collection. And you worked with Turnstone's senior industrial designers. So tell us how that process worked. The main thing I'm interested in with printing is using it as a sort of material science chamber or as a kind of design fabricator. By a design fabricator, I mean that it shouldn't just be that I design something and then I send it out to a printer or I send it out to a milling machine and it makes the part that I wanted, but rather the design can emerge through the process of making and that you can have a new design language, maybe you can have new product performance through this fabrication process. So maybe the designer has a direction and this is very much how we worked with with Yuka, but through the printing process, the design emerges as you're printing and as you understand how it's being made. And functionality can emerge in that same way. So design is inspired by and um, manufacturing changes by design. They're kind of 
symbiotically working together. And then the material science chamber is interesting because printing is one of the only processes where you can combine different materials with different feature sizes in three-dimensional space. And by doing that, you can then create new material performance that you couldn't do in other industrial processes. So, Skylar, you've spoken at TED. Your YouTube videos have hundreds of thousands of views. Your work is inspiring people. But I'm curious, what is it that inspires you? It's always a hard question. I mean, we're inspired by almost everything you can think of. Mostly it's from other industries or other disciplines. Then the other would be to critique ourselves. Every time we do a project, there's like 10 new ideas for new projects, and those projects often make the previous ones obsolete, or we keep pushing for this idea of elegance, that if every project can have less and less and less and do more and more and more, then it can get better. And so each time you can kind of critique yourself saying, oh, the next time we do this, we need to have, we need to make it smarter, we need to make it faster, we need to make it better, we need to have less complexity but more functionality. And so that really is one of our main drivers. But then, you know, we're, we're definitely inspired by other disciplines and collaborations with industry or collaborations with other researchers. And so we explore strange phenomena like self-assembly or like phase change or granular jamming or non-Newtonian principles. You know, all of these weird, interesting principles, then we try to translate into design, construction, materials, manufacturing, et cetera. You do such fun and interesting and yet challenging work. So how do you define creativity in your lab? I think it's about experimentation and research. Um, You know, we're different than a design studio. Uh, We're different than a company in the sense that we're a research lab. So our, our real goal is that we need to push the boundaries of what's possible in everyday experiment and invent things that weren't possible before and figure out what we don't know and push the limits of that. So we operate on things like surprise, like how do we surprise ourselves? How do we experiment and discover things rather than only working on what we do know? How do we break things and test things and uh, design through making? So everything we do is tends to be physical. And so we're really more on like a quest and an exploration than we are on a vision or than we are on an implementation of a design language. Like we're more about discovery and experimentation, and, and that, for us, leads to creativity. Well, Skylar, we can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. My pleasure. Good to talk to you. That was Skylar Tibbetts, founder of MIT's Self-Assembly Lab and assistant professor of design research in the Department of Architecture. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to Steelcase 360 Real-Time on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also read more about Skylar and see photos of the 3D printed baseline top in the latest edition of 360 Magazine. You can find it at 360.steelcase.com. Thanks for listening.